Thanks for joining us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Take a second and send your story to amen at citychurchfl.org. And if you'd like to partner with this ministry financially, you can do that by going to citychurchfl.org slash give and select the giving option that works best for you. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. You picked a great Sunday to be here. We are launching a brand new series, Preparing Us for Easter, entitled uh, Gospel Truths. And uh, when I'm even talking about Easter, on the way out today, make sure to pick up some invite cards. Uh, people are, are, your friends, neighbors, coworkers are already deciding what they're gonna do on Easter. And I don't know about you, but I think they should do Easter with you, all right? And so be praying that God would use this opportunity to see people come to Christ. So number one, pray. Number two, let's make sure that we invite those that are around us, make sure you pick that up on the way out. Would you turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 19? Some of you can turn to Matthew 19. Others of you can turn to John chapter 3. We're going to look at both of these texts here. I'll give you just a second to get there. Matthew chapter 19, we're going to look at the story of Jesus encountering a rich man. And then John chapter 3, we're going to look at the story of Jesus encountering a religious leader named Nicodemus. Matthew chapter 19, it's right before 20. All right, you're with me. Hey, wow, I got a, got a laugh back there. That was nice, thank you. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, we're gonna look at together. And it reads this, just then a man came up to Jesus and he asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you wanna enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired, Jesus replied, you shall not murder, now, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and your mother, all the parents said amen, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept, the young man said, but what do I still lack? Apparently he's been keeping them all, but there's still something empty inside of him. So he says, there must be something else. Jesus answered, if you wanna be perfect, go and sell your possessions. Remember, he was a rich man, and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, he turns over to them and says, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter to the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, thinking that the greatest uh, accolade of, of man on planet Earth is to have possessions, to do well, to have great wealth. They are, they are complexed right now, and so they respond just like we might. They said, well, then who could be saved? This guy has everything that we're supposed to want on this earth. He's got money, he's got possessions, he can do what he wants, he probably has authority, he probably has influence, and yet... You're telling me that he doesn't have eternal life. Then how can this even happen for us? And then, this, then Jesus looks back at him and he says, with man, eternal life is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You know, we take that scripture and we should. We take it in the sense, man, we put it on our bumper sticker and we say, man, I'm a, I'm, we're looking for a job or I'm looking for my next step. And man, with God, all things are possible. And that is so true. But the context here, he's actually talking about salvation. He's talking about our soul. 
He's saying that your soul cannot come to heaven on your own. Your soul cannot be right with God on its own. Only a supernatural work. Now flip over to John chapter three, y'all with me? So he encountered this, this rich man there. Now let's look at John chapter three, verse one. He encounters this man named Nicodemus. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. I wish I had time to unpack that on why he was there at night. Absolutely fascinating. And he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For, one could, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Well, obviously, like us, he says, well, how can someone be born if they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter that kingdom of God unless they are not only born of water, but also of spirit. For flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You would not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. I've entitled this message this morning, Regeneration. In fact, we're going to take the next four weeks. Today we're looking at regeneration. Next week we're going to look at justification. Week three we're going to look at sanctification. And week four we're going to look at the words glorification. So you're going to want to bring your notepad, bring your Bibles. We're going to have some fun. But I want to look at the word regeneration. If you don't know what it means, don't worry. I'm going to teach you. We're going to learn something today. Can we pray? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that just as you've encountered this rich man, just as you've encountered Nicodemus, you are wanting to encounter us today right here, right now. Father, I give you free reign to move in this message. God, what you've downloaded in my heart, download it into our church today. And if there be one person that is not in right relationship with you, that today would be their day, that they would put their trust in you and that they would find themselves saying these words, I am now born again. Lord, we trust you to do the impossible today. In Jesus' name I pray. And somebody said amen. amen. Have you ever thought about how big and grand God really is. Have you ever just had a moment maybe where you, you look out at a cloudless night and you can just see the stars and you just gotta take a moment and just go, man, there's got to be something out there. There's, God is so big, right? I mean, just think about our planet and the complexities of the way that it's designed. Maybe, maybe uh, just how far the sun is away from you, right? It's just far enough to bring some heat, but then not too close to burn us up. The ability for our seasons to change, it is absolutely, it's amazing how gravity keeps us on the planet today. Maybe, maybe how our, our uh, body systems react, I mean, just think about the way that, that your skin has the ability to heal itself without you even telling it what, it's amazing. Have you ever just thought about the human eye? How your eye somehow can take the complexities, create an image, then send it to your brain in so many different colors and depths for you to be able to see? It is truly amazing. Probably one of the greatest natural things I've ever seen personally is the birth of a, of a baby, right? I mean, there's nothing more crazy than if you've ever experienced it. It is like it goes from, just think about how this, how this happens, right? It goes from two people, they, uh, they talk with one another, 
and all of a sudden a seed is conceived, right? And then three trimesters later, lots of buckets of ice cream and chili dogs and whatever else might be across the way, right? And all of a sudden, there is this human being with a soul? It's amazing. Now let me tell you as a Christ follower, let me propose to you what is what the greatest miracle on the planet earth is today is when a sinner gets new birth in Christ. And I just want to be clear today, church, yeah, I'll give you one more chance to join Esteban this morning in clapping for that, because, because I just want to propose to you, as Christ, if you're not a Christ follower today, I pray that as, as God transforms your heart, you may awaken to this, but for the Christ follower in the room this morning, there is no greater thing than for somebody that deserves hell, like myself, for God to regenerate me, to, 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 to birth new life into me, to give me a new life, a new birth. There is no greater miracle, there is no greater thing that we should applaud and reward and give glory to God, that God, you are saving sinners just like me. If you agree with me, can you put your hands together? If not, that's okay. Which is where we get the word regeneration. Regeneration simply means regenerated, or we could say it again, to just simply be born again. And here's the gospel truth number one that I want to leave you with today or enter into your world is this, is if you want to follow Christ, here's the words of Jesus, you must be born again. If you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, let me tell you the first thing we must do, we must be born again. Let me be clear about this. That means that tithing does not save you. Church attendance does not save you. Nothing natural can save you. It is a supernatural work of God. That is the beauty of where we are today. In other words, you don't come to Christ by osmosis. Not simply just being around people that God has regenerated makes you regenerated. It is when God supernaturally births in you his Holy Spirit washes you new and gives you a new heart, a new life. That is where relationship with God starts. And so you know how I approach this today? When I was young and I didn't understand this, I used to approach, the, I used to approach salvation as a formulated three-step process. Well, here's ABCs of salvation. You need to accept, believe, and confess. And there are nothing wrong with ABCs of salvation, by the way, I think that's excellent. But I approach this understanding regeneration with such a mystery and awe to it. That when I look at the landscape of humanity in our community and when I look at you today, I don't look at you as a three-step formulated process that I'm trying to check off into heaven. But that you are, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you are a sinner just like I have been. That God is wanting to miraculously do something so mysterious and supernatural in you that I've got to take some brevity and say, God, this is amazing. This is beautiful, this moment of you saving someone else's soul. And allow us, I tell you, it's one of the greatest rewards as a pastor, 
is to be able, and just as a Christ follower, am I right? To watch this happen in front of us. When you meet someone that wasn't following Jesus, be enlightened to God's truth and turn and surrender their lives over to Christ and find regeneration in him. There is nothing that is greater than that. Titus chapter three, verse three says this, and let me be clear, there are only two scriptures that actually use the word rebirth or, or regeneration. Those can be synonymous. We see it in Titus, and we also see it in Matthew 19, which we just read earlier. But listen to what Titus says about us. At one time, we too were foolish. We were disobedient. We, deceived and enslaved. we were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness of, and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. He did it. Not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. God, thank you so much for your mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. Other translations would say regeneration. And renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out so generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It reminds me today that the gospel is not about Jesus making bad people good, but about Jesus making dead people alive. This is a living gospel. God does not look at us as some kind of bad, some kind of good, but either we are dead in our trespasses of sin or we are alive in Jesus. And as Christians, we are proclaiming to the ends of the earth, awaken your hearts, surrender to God. God, have mercy on our community and open our eyes to see what you see, to feel what you feel, to experience what you've experienced. God, we want a supernatural move of you. Amen. I know I'm in the right room today. Verse seven, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. And we'll talk about what justified means in these next few weeks. Let me say this gospel truth again, because I, I don't fall asleep on me. If you want to follow Christ, you must be born again. So how does conversion happen? The question then becomes, okay, there's a supernatural work, but what, how does someone go from not following Jesus to now having life in Jesus? What does that look like? Let me say up front, the simple answer is that there, it is a, there is a mystery to it, there's a complexity to it, and as a follower of Jesus, I am grateful today that I cannot completely formulate the supernatural work of God. In other words, I can't make in natural terms what God supernaturally does. Can we just be okay in our theology to say, you know what, I'm okay that God can do it however he wants to that doesn't have to make complete sense to me. Now at the same sense though, his scripture is here to help teach us some basic truths about, about regeneration. And specifically, if you're writing down any notes, you can study this later, but we're actually today, we're studying the term soteriology. All right, soteriology simply means the study of salvation. 
how does someone actually get saved? And if I asked you today, how did you get saved? We may be able to give some answers of, well, by faith, or God did it, and those terms are excellent. There's nothing wrong with that, but I wanna give you three steps, or three key uh, ingredients, if you wanna say, to conversion. Someone that isn't a follower of Christ becoming a follower of Christ, all right? Number one is this. If you're taking down any notes, I encourage you to do this. This is like a big deal, uh, knowing, knowing about this. This is pretty important. Number one is this, is that there's a hearing of the anointed word of God. The very first thing is that there's a hearing of the anointed word of God. This is why we put such a precedent on the proclamation of the anointed word of God at our church. This is why we will never have a service where there will not be the preaching of the Bible in one of our services. We're always gonna have a moment of that. We're always praying that God would not just give us a word from scripture, but that it would be a, a word in season and in time, that there would be an anointing on that word for this very moment. It's important that there is a, a hearing of the anointed word. Now let me also go a little bit further. Not only is it the preaching of the word, but it could be the reading of the word. It could be the reading of God's holy scriptures. It also could be the beauty of a sunset. In other words, God speaks way beyond just a pulpit. He speaks way beyond just a small group. He speaks way beyond even the scriptures of the Bible. Have you ever had God speak to you and it wasn't within the scripture? Have you ever God just resonate inside of you? Illuminate is what the word, the theological word we might use. He illuminates something that you did not know was there before. There's something so active and true about the word of God. Even today as I'm preaching, I've been asking God to give me an anointing for this moment. Because the truth is, most of us have probably heard this word before. A lot of us, this is, you know, some messages are, we're learning, other messages we're remembering. And I hope that there's a, there's a sense of both of these that are happening today. For some of us, hopefully we're learning something new. For others of us, we're simply remembering something that we need to keep at the forefront. But either way, isn't it interesting how you can read John 3.16 a year ago and it didn't do anything for you and you read it last week and it, it leaped off the page. What happened there? The scriptures illuminated themselves to you. In theological doctrinal terms, we would use the word Revelation. It's one of the first doctrinal uh, understandings that we get. It's this. This is, this is as simple as it is. You only know about God because he chose to reveal himself to you. In other words, the only reason why you even know about your sin is because God has chosen to reveal to you that your sin is sin. And so not only do we have divine revelation, we also have universal revelation, which simply means that God has created the planets, he's created earth, he's, uh, because actually, you know, our depravity, our sin teaches us about God. It reminds us of his beauty. In fact, my sin reminds me of how holy God is. My unholiness can point to his holiness right? And so he can speak in any way that he wants to. And as followers of Jesus, we give him free reign to do that. Now, let me be clear. We test everything through his scripture. So I'm not talking about simply that we just, he's just able, hey, I, 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 I woke up, I saw a sunrise, and I think this now about God. No, no, no. It needs to be tested with scripture. In fact, the Bible says the prophet is subject to the prophet. And so when something prophetically is spoken to you, we always want to bring it back to the word. And if we can't find it in scripture, then we hold it loosely, but we don't stand on it. Amen? Amen. 
Okay, so number one, there's a hearing of the anointed word. You've done that today. Give yourself a hand. You're here today, and you've done that. Number two is this. All right, cool, thank you. Good job, Yasti. Number two is this. There's a conviction of sin. There's a conviction of sin. There's this weight, and there's a reality of our sin. John 16, verse 8 says, When he comes, Jesus here is speaking, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, and when he comes, he will convict the world, that's us, of what? Of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He's going to convict you and I of our sin, but also how our sin is in contrary to God's righteousness and how both of those together needs to receive judgment. The Holy Spirit will do that. You know what I love about that is I don't have to do that. I'm not up here trying to tell you something or or manipulate you or convict you of something. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He convicts. He encourages. Ephesians 2 says he seals our salvation. He illuminates the scripture. He hovered over the beginning of the earth before it was ever as we read in Genesis. And I'm very grateful for the Holy Spirit. And so we we, we read these two chapters. Everybody with me? We read these two chapters earlier today about Jesus addressing this rich man and then Jesus addressing this Nicodemus. Isn't it interesting that both of them, the conversation was around eternal life, yet Jesus addressed them both differently? Right? His answer to each one of them about eternity, there were different conclusions. For the rich man, what did he tell him to do? He said, go sell all of your money. Go give it all away. But for, the, for Nicodemus, what did he tell him? He said, religion can't save you. You must be born again. Isn't it interesting? You know what Jesus was doing? It's like the scriptures actually make sense. Can I explain something to you? God said, he taught us, that we, will, we should have no other gods before him. You know what Jesus was doing? He was addressing their gods. He was addressing their idols. You know what Jesus is doing today with you and me? He's addressing your idols. He's addressing your gods. And if you want to follow him, you need to lay down those idols. We need to stop worshiping ourselves. And we need to worship him. That's a conviction. What did he tell Nicodemus? He said, Nicodemus, religion can't save you. Nicodemus walked away complexed. He looked at this rich man and he said, your money can't be your idol anymore. And the rich man walked away and had to think that through. There was a conviction that fell in that room. And also the scriptures say, Jesus would say, the only way that you can follow the Father is through me. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. So we not only hear the anointed preaching of the word, but we are convicted of our sins, but that conviction leads to the word repentance. Everybody say repentance. Oh, you having fun today yet? Are you excited you came to church? Repentance. Repentance, the Greek word is metanoia, which means a change of mind. It's a change of mind. It's, it's, a, it's a 180 degree turn. I'm walking this way, and I'm going to turn away from those things to a different set of things. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Peter gets up. The Holy Spirit's been poured out in the book of Acts, and Peter gets up and he tells these people, and he tells you today, he says, repent then and turn to God. 
so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. We understand that the gospel is that your sins deserve death, but Jesus took your place on the cross. He bore every single sin that you have ever committed, and he wants to take your place on that cross. And if you would turn from your sins and acknowledge that he is Lord and receive him as Christ by believing towards him, you are saved. This is what it means to follow him, to turn from our sins. So let me be clear, believing in God does not save you. Believing in God by itself does not save you. Even the demons believe. James 2 tells us that. Even the demons believe there's a God. That's not what it does. It's faith towards Christ. It's repentance towards him. Let me read this definition from our Assemblies of God. It says, salvation is received through repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Being justified by grace through faith, man becomes an heir of God according to the hope in eternal life. Key words here that I, I bolded, repentance toward him, faith toward God. And in the midst of this process of, of God illuminating his word to you, conviction settling in, and us turning from our ways, guess what happens? God regenerates your soul. He regenerates your heart. It's an amazing feat. Ezekiel chapter 36, he prophesied, and he said this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Listen, there's hope today. There's hope today that you don't have to be bound to the chains of your sin. You don't have to be bound to the, to the pain and the guilt and the shame of what we've done in our past. But there's hope today that not only will God, it's not even like this gospel is about God helping your old spirit be a little better. It's way better than that. He dies to your old spirit and he gives you a new one. <sighs> this is amazing. He gives you a new life. He gives us a new spirit. What an amazing moment in God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creation. Because you know what he told Nicodemus and the rich man? You ain't jumping back in your mother's womb. Once we've started following Jesus... There ain't no turning back. Reminds me of that hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No they, they, were, they understood this regeneration. There ain't no turning back. And we are following him. He's created new life in us. And I'm reminded, even if you're here today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you have turned away from him, you've made some dumb decisions, you know what? God is so good and even when you're not faithful, he's faithful and today God's calling you back to say, you know what? Your identity isn't in your sin, your identity is in Jesus and in him who he is. It's his washing, he's continually washing in him, amen. Oh man, I'm doing, I'm, I'm still on this seat. I had to do this because I knew I would start running around. God puts new desires in our new hearts. 
one of the greatest parts about regeneration is he puts new desires in our new hearts. You know, my, my wife and I, we've been married for eight years. And when we first got married, I was our youth pastor here at City Church. And somebody uh, came up to us and they really wanted me to have a video game console. All right, this is weird. This is just truth. And uh, so they gave us a $200 gift card. And our, our, what we had to do was we had to, to buy a video game console with the money because I wouldn't do that. I naturally love playing outside. I always played outside. I would only play video games if it was with people. And so nothing, I'm not knocking anybody that plays video games. I just never was a part of that. Um, and so I was debating what to get. Well, in my youth ministry, students played this game called Halo a lot, all right? And so I kind of got good at it. So I wanted to get an Xbox because that was what Halo was played on. But my wife wanted to get a Wii, all right? Because that's what... Godly, I don't know, whatever. That's what she wanted. And obviously, I'm the man of the house. I'm saying that again. I'm the, I am the, I am the man of the house. She's not here today. I am the man of the house. And so we're going back and forth. And, uh, you know, obviously, I'm, you know I'm, I want an Xbox and she wants a Wii. And so we compromised and uh, we got a Wii. Now, let me tell you, at some point, I didn't even like my wife the way that I now like my wife. She was just a girl. But something happened in me. Just, I mean, something, what do you call it, supernatural? It was beyond me. Just something happened in me. I, I fell in love. And at some point, it, I'm all about myself and wanting what I want. But at some point, it switches over. And I, I now want more what she wants than what I want. And that's what happens when God's Holy Spirit comes inside of you. All of a sudden, you present your life to him, not because of works, not to get to heaven, because we can't get to heaven through works, but simply because of what he's done in our hearts, because he's illuminated my life, He has put a new spirit in me, that now, God, I stand here today wanting what you want more than I want what I want. So God, as I open up these scriptures, I'm not opening up them trying to get into heaven. I'm opening up them wanting heaven to just get more and more into me. As I'm presenting to you this sacrifice, God, because I'm in all of who you are. He puts a new spirit in us. So who gets the credit? Who gets the credit for this work of God? Who gets the credit for your salvation? Let me let the scriptures answer that for you. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmen, handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Who gets the glory? God gets all the glory. He is the Savior. He is who we worship today. Let me tell you where this leaves me.
And let me maybe just throw a couple ideas at for you. I don't know how God is speaking to you today, but as I watch through, as I walk through this scripture, and as I walk through this doctrine of regeneration, here's a couple things that it leaves me. Number one, I am in awe of the miraculous work of God in my life. It's, it, it, I can't wait in just a moment to stand up and sing a song with this worship team to give God one more. I, I don't know about you, but just reading this, I can't not walk out of here without giving God one more praise for who he is. Anybody with me, right? I mean, there's this sense, he is so stinking good. My God, this is amazing. I stand in awe. I am in awe. Like words can't describe in just a moment, I, I had the team, team sing this song because I think it's so fitting, but God, you've given me new life. Oh my goodness, it, it's am- I, I stand in awe. I, I really can't. I can't wait to come in on Sunday and meet with other people that have had the same experience and also invite other people to experience that experience that we've had. Number two, this doctrine of regeneration affects how I pray. Because guess what? I can't save anybody. So you know what? This leads me, sorry camera guy, this leads me on my knees. Listen, I'm not joking. This isn't like, guys, we gotta pray because we need God to to give us more favor and all that stuff. Like, no, we're favored people, right? We need to pray because we can't save our city. We can't do it in human effort. We need to get on our knees and say, God, would you have mercy on Seminole County? And God, would you use us, even though we're not worthy, even though we're not, we are so sinful, yet we're trying to do our best, God, to to, to present our bodies to you. God, we may not be sinful, but God, I believe we're faithful. And I believe that God, we can at least just position ourselves to say, you know what, you have to move. Because I can't do what, you, what needs to be done in my son and in my daughter. I can't raise my kids the way they need to be raised. I need you, Holy Spirit, to move in my life. This leads me to pray. And not just pray like basic prayers, I mean to pray. The greatest revivals were revivals that started with births of prayer. We must pray. Number three, this, uh, this, I, it affects my position within how God is saving hearts because I recognize that I don't save. God does. And so, you know what, as I present, as I think about my position with my neighbors and with my coworkers, I've got to take a step back and go, okay, God, what are you doing in this moment? And what is my part to play in this? You know, Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. Did you ever notice it never told you to go and save people, did it? It says go, you need to go and make disciples, but you don't save. You know why? Because you're not the savior. He is. Corinthians says Paul watered, Apollos planted or whatever, but, and then it says, but God makes it grow. Matthew 13 gives this analogy of casting seed. Some grew up in this ground, some grew up in this ground, some grew up at this ground, and the seed is about salvation. This is what we're doing, by the way. 
we are seed casters. We are seed planters, praying that God would, first of all, break up the shallow ground and the hardened ground, and that God, we just cast seed today. Lord, we plant seeds into our friends. We plant seeds through social media. We plant seeds, and we don't know when they grow. We don't know how they all work out. We don't know how God regenerates it because he gets all the glory in it, but we cast those seeds. And lastly, this causes me to be more led by the Spirit than I've ever been led by the Spirit before, understanding that I can't save. So today, I don't need, I don't need you, and you don't need you to operate in your own power. You need you to operate in the Spirit's power. Which, which leads us to a place in the morning to say, God, you've got a plan for today. I wanna be a part of it. Help me to be sensitive to what you're doing today as you're leading me and as you're guiding me. So within the illumination of scripture and uh, conviction of sin and repentance, where does regeneration actually happen? The, question, the answer is, I got no idea. It's the beauty and the mystery of the gospel. Some people on a scale of zero to 10, zero, they're completely away from God, 10, they're on fire from God. Some people it's like overnight and just an instant and a moment, man, they're just on fire. You know they're saved, right? You've, ex you've experienced that. I mean, they are just, man, they just, you, there's this, they're just saved. They turn from their sin. It is so clear and so evident in other people, maybe like, like me, it was more of a zero and then a one and a two and a three as the scale just kind of moved towards God, right? So are they not saved when they're at a two? I think they are, because it's faith towards God. One of the things we love about baptism, and if you haven't been baptized, I believe today is your day, because faith towards, one of the things we love about celebrating baptism is because it's the first step in following Christ. Scripture says if you're gonna follow him in your life, the first thing you need to do is follow him in baptism. And so the reason why we celebrate baptism so much is because it's the first public declaration of a step towards Christ. It's not just believing anymore, but you've taken a step to confess publicly to your friends and coworkers that you are a follower of Jesus and it's not too late to follow him today. I don't know about you guys, but I am so stinking grateful. I don't know how to say it. I am so grateful today that God has illuminated his word to me, that God has convicted me of my sin, that he has granted me the faith to turn from that sin and to follow him. And today, if you're here in this room and you have never made that decision, and if you have never trusted in God for salvation, today is your day. Would you stand to your feet and close your eyes and bow your heads and, and then I, I'll get off this stage as soon as possible because I know that you want to give God one more praise this morning. But you're here in this room, every, eye, every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, this formulated prayer I'm about to lead you in does not save you in itself. But I believe in the midst of this prayer, there is, I'm trusting that there is a supernatural, mysterious work of God that is gonna regenerate your heart in this moment. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I do not have a relationship with God, but I'm convicted of my sin today, and I want to turn from my sin, and I want to follow him, I want to pray with you today. If you're here in this room and you'd say, you know what, that's me, would you lift your hand on the count of three, and I want to pray for you. One, 
two, three. If that's you, lift your hand. I see that hand. So you lift your hand towards heaven. God sees you right where you are. That right where you are with that hand lifted, would you just say, God, have mercy on me. Give me new life today. I declare that you are my God. I turn from my, my ways. And I acknowledge you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.